Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pope Science. This is Super Pope Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I am Gregory Kamichak, writer and illustrator. Um, my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry, known the world over as Chasing Artwork, is currently... Oh, he just messaged me. Stuck outside, it says. So needs to be let in the building. So I am going to be right back before I introduce my next guest. Perfect. <laughs> How's that for timing? That's I'm just going to button. Justin, once stuck outside, is here for the introduction of none other than Jason Sylvester, cartoonist and all-around patient fellow. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. You're welcome. Um, so, Justin, let's just get right down to it. Where the hell were you? You're late. I, I hope I didn't miss too much. Yeah, no, we, uh, we've been doing podcasts all day. I think this is our sixth or seventh, seventh, seventh podcast. I don't know. I lost track. Yeah, so I, I have a, a younger dog at home that's not used to being alone this long without a couple runs and walks throughout the day. So I just ran home, ran the dog, and now I'm back for and Super Pulp Science Nights. This is also, Jason, you're here for our very first first super pulp science event now i myself am not an imbiber of uh, such beverages but justin said this is after hours right does that mean i can have a beer and so i guess we'll leave it to the guests to have the final authority i say go at it all right <laughs> i'm like i i listen to a lot of podcasts and in, in all kinds of different genres like video game making and uh mm -hmm. comic making and and all kinds and they're always drinking during their podcasts they're not professionals They're like <laughs> me, that's why. I guess like most people do their podcasts in the evening. We always do ours during the day. So it's never it's never been appropriate to have 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 11 beers. <laughs> but I've always wanted to have a beer on the podcast. So this is the very first Super Pulp Signs beer. That's a low-key right insult. What he's saying, Jason, is he always wished he could be a little, a little drunker for to hang out with me. <laughs> Now, for the dear listeners just uh, joining us for our very first episode, maybe this is the first episode you ever heard, what we do is Justin and I are writers and illustrators. We make books, comics, we use words and pictures to make stuff, and we love talking to other people who do that kind of stuff. So I reached out uh, on a little a private Facebook group uh, for Canadian comic creators, and I said, is anyone brave enough to come on our uh, podcast marathon day? Where we're going to record a whole bunch of episodes together and jason was one of those brave people to enter the octagon here why don't you for a person that you doesn't scare know, me away yeah that doesn't know anything about what you do why don't you just describe yourself and your typical work day as a cartoonist can you also describe the the wall behind you Absolutely. it looks amazing this is audio only i know but for the listener and for well more for me not not so, as much for the listener yeah because my studio space is in my home, uh, I filled my studio up with the things that inspire me, stuff that I can, you know, you have those moments where you're just tired and you're trying to push through that, that deadline to get the thing done. So sometimes you just need visual excitement. So behind me, I've got Ninja Turtles, uh, G.I. Joe's, Star Wars stuff, um, and I've got a whole shelf full of Minions from uh, the Despicable Me franchise. Um, which I bought because my daughter hated the minions. So I had to have as many as possible. 
It's just that, you know, I like to make her life fun and interesting, including a fart gun and a talking grew. I got a talking grew back there. So, so my place is, uh, yeah, it's the room everybody wants to hang out in, which is always Perfect. good. Yeah, that's the yeah and then though. on the other three walls, they're full of art, um, magazines I've been in, books I've done, uh, all of that sort of stuff. So, so, um, you mentioned before the show that one mm -hmm. a book that you're kind of proud of and you enjoy creating and you've got some more in the can is Ig the Idiot Caveman. But you right. also you also mentioned that you do freelance illustration for a number of magazines that you have a syndicated mm -hmm. comic strip. Wow! Like just that phrase right there, I think has got every uh, cartoonist who listens to our show leaning in close to the microphone. <laughs> like they want to know now. How does that work? Why don't you tell, tell right. about your journey of it? Well, okay. So my journey kind of started off, I mean, as everybody's, right? I was a kid. I wanted to learn how to draw. I saw Charles Schultz on TV and he said, you could be a cartoonist. And I was 13 and I thought, yes, I can. And then I, you know, I pursued it for a while in my youth. And then I got married, had kids, got a responsible adult job, put all that stuff to the side. And then one day I realized I wasn't satisfied. You know, I still had that itch to create stuff, that itch to do stuff. And so I just did it. I just started, you know, working on things. Um, I started off with a, a Wait, competition called Small away. Press Idol. Don't leap away from that moment. Mm -hmm. Let's get in the time machine now. Tell yeah, me about sure. that first drawing that brought you back. Because you hadn't been drawing for a while. What is it that yeah, got it sure. all rolling? I, um, I started off drawing uh, a character for a graphic novel that I've self-published called Jason of New York City. So he's Jason from Jason and the Argonauts. And I had one of those, you know, those goofy ideas. You're in the shower, you're, you know, you're just getting up and you go, that's brilliant. Nobody's done this. Let's do it. So I thought, wouldn't it be funny if we took Jason from ancient Greece and dumped him in modern day Manhattan? So you've got this ancient Greek hero guy running around. He doesn't speak the language, doesn't understand the customs. He doesn't get the whole modern world. Everything is new and fantastical to him, but yet he's experienced things like magic and dragons and monsters and things like that. So uh, it's, it's a real fun world to play in. And so I started kind of with Jason. I did a drawing of him, showed it to my son who was I think eight or nine at the time. And it got his seal of approval. So I was like, okay, he thinks it's cool. Why not? Right. I mean, what can I, what's, what's the worst that can happen? I draw it, two people read it. At least I did it, you know, and I can move on. And so I, I, I started off with that and I started kind of writing down the very basic beginning of the story. Like how does he get to be in Manhattan? How does he, how do we get to this world that we're, we're working on? And um, it was pretty rough at the start. Because I was kind of just throwing the spaghetti at the wall, trying to figure out what it was I was trying to do, what was the story I was trying to tell. And so over the years, I've refined it and worked on it. And I'm actually in the process right now of finishing um, sort of a revamp of that story to re-release it and launch it. And um, I'm pretty excited about it because my art has gone, uh, well, you guys know as, as artists, you're the more you do, the better you get at developing just your own style and you stop caring about 
what everybody else is going to think of that page. You're just, you're happy about the little victories that you got. Oh, I didn't screw up that hand. Oh, that building looks okay. Oh, I like the way that shadow looks. And so, oh, that cloud looks like a cloud. Three quarter perspective on a face. Consistent. I didn't screw up the skyline. (laughs) I still shudder at the, my very first book that I made, by the time I was finishing, I had to go back and, and redo the first couple of pages because the style had changed so much, like such a drastic shift in yeah. like, tone and look by the time I was completing it. And that's just nature. That's the way you're going to develop as an artist, right? And being a freelancer, being a guy who's working on projects after project after project, you don't have the time to really sit there and agonize over every single thing you're drawing. You just have to get it done and move on to the next one. So uh, I find that really freeing. Uh, at first, it was terrifying because you're thinking, when you see the page in print later, you're like, oh, I hate that page. I hate that panel. I can't believe I drew that. This is going to be the last magazine I ever get to do. They're never going to hire me again. And then they have to do another one. So <laughs> it's just natural to feel that way, I think, as you're going through things. Woe unto you that gives the beast form. To contemplate evil is to ask evil home. What was the path to syndication? Yeah, very So that was a long road. Um, I, I work with a humor writer named Carson, and you've probably read stuff he's done, but you have no idea he's written it because he's a ghostwriter. So he's he's written for a lot of syndicated strips. He's written for Pearls Before Swine. He's written for hmm. uh, PC and Pixel. He's written for Dennis the Menace. In fact, he's been fired from Dennis the Menace two times and banned for life twice <laughs> and still writes for them. Um <laughs> you know cartooning it's it's a complicated uh you know existence uh he and i ended up working on a book together called you might be from saskatchewan if um he he pitched that book to a publisher i was literally walking past his office and i got pulled into a phone call he was having with the publisher and i realized that they were setting a deadline for a book release I had no idea we were doing a book. I hadn't seen a script. I hadn't seen anything. And so Carson looked at me. And he's like, so I said, yes. And we, that's where we started. So we had uh, that book come out and it was an insane hit. It hit the Canadian national bestsellers list. Wow. Um, it's still in print. It was, it was out almost 11 years ago. So, so we went from that crazy phenomenon to, we ended up, landing cartoons magazine um because carson has this real knack for pitching ideas and and so he and i've become basically a uh, package team so he'll pitch a story idea he'll cc me in on the email so i kind of know what's going on and if a publisher is interested then we start working on it right so Sometimes it means I'm doing some preliminary sketches of a character that I've only read about just before I sent off the sketches. And sometimes I've had a month's heads up and I've got a whole you know page or two ready done and, and on its way to him. Um, but it's the method he's been using for, you know, 30 years to find work for himself. And he's, I think he's been in print for an entire 30 years. He's written for Cracked Magazine. Like he's been all over the place. Wow. So he sort of takes the lead on that. And then he just knows that, I'll just come in and do the art to get it to where it needs to get to. And then I have a graphic design background, so I can fill in all of like the, all my files are basically print ready. As soon as I send them in, they're, they're good to go. So it makes it easy to have in your corner. 
Yeah, big yeah. advantage. Yeah. Big advantage. Publishers love that when you, you don't have to screw around with your files and everything is perfect uh, as far as like the layout goes, and they don't have to worry about margins and resizing things or playing with text. It's it's marvelous. So, how many uh, places is your which strip is it that's syndicated, and where can people find it? How many places okay. can you find it? So Carson and I do a strip called Reminders Blast from the Past, and it's for a magazine called Remind Magazine. So this is a nostalgia magazine printed by the guys that do the TV guide. So they've got a readership of something like 22 million people for all of their published magazines. Is that I'm it? I'm not sure. If, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a small, it's a small. I'm not sure how big the readership is for Remind. It's really hard to find that kind of information on the web. I was trying to research it because you want to put that stuff on your social media, right? You're trying sure. to present because you're always selling yourself to the next publisher as 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 a worker and uh but i know the magazine that we're working on it's out every month and it's very very popular i was surprised at how popular it is i had some with me when i was in the calgary show and they were gone before i think the end of friday i didn't have anything left on my table okay. uh, which surprised me i didn't think that would be the draw but you never know right you never know you what never know not a convention yeah so you never know <laughs> Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so they've been a joy to work with. It's a full color strip. And uh, the way our contract works is Carson and I have uh, certain rights to it. And then they have first print right. So uh, we were able to syndicate it through their network. Um, and yeah, they've been, like I said, they've been just awesome to work with. Uh, it's my first time working very closely with an editorial team. I was going to um, ask a cartoonist. you about that. Yeah. 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 So on the show, usually we'll, you're like in the void, right? You're just doing your own thing. Yeah, so this is a little different. We uh, on the show will often talk to uh, authors who are working with editors or self-published mm -hmm. authors who are hiring an editor. At some point, you come yep. to realize that the editorial voice, even though it's easy to resist wanting it, is a very important necessity of getting your best work out into mm -hmm. the world. So that was my question. Yeah. In its syndication, who has that final, like who's got final cut on your cartoon? So the, the editor um, of the magazine that I'm working with, uh, he has final say, but he also has editorial staff that he, he pushes things through. And so they'll, they'll give us feedback on, it's usually never the art. It's usually just lettering tweaks or tweaks to a, a punchline or moving a font around or making fonts bigger because the readership is an older readership and they're, they want to make sure people can understand what the word balloons contain. And what and I'm hearing so here is it, that sometimes that you have sort to, of stuff. what I'm hearing is sometimes you have to carry Carson across the finish line. No, Carson's brilliant. His writing is great. It's just, sometimes <laughs> you get a room full of people, like a dozen people, right. And a punchline will work for three of them and two of them will say it's offensive and one of them doesn't get it. Right. So you have to sort of, you have to just, you have to, you have to take your ego off and just like, no, this is just a finished product. It's not a representation of me as a person. Um, I mean, the first strip we did for them, I redrew the first strip four times. And it was because he was, I, and I knew this is what was going on. <laughs> he was kind of testing me to see how much, how I would work. What, what's my workflow like? How, how quickly can I get things done? Will he push me over the edge? Will I just walk off the project? Like they, they're going to test you, right? You're, they're an art director. They want to make sure they can push you to a level where, and, and to know that you're going to take any kind of criticisms that come back well, because some people can't take criticism well. Absolutely. Whereas I'm just like, okay, cool. Delete next file. Right. Like it's, it's fine. 
Um, uh, humor so yeah. is also really challenging to get right. And on a strip, humor is super subjective. Yeah. Yeah. On a cartoon strip, you've got maybe two or three panels, you know, four if you're, you know, it's hard to make four work. Yeah. But um, getting a gag across in such a short space of time quickly and visually, this is a, uh, this is a hurdle that I, I, is a frightening one to well, me. Yeah. Speaking of which, like, what is the format of, of the comic? Like, what, how many panels is it? Yeah. yeah how, sure. The same? Is it different? What's, What's going on there? So magazine to magazine, it varies. Um, with Remind, we're we're typically about nine panels a page, and that's because Ooh. that's about what they want. Nice. Um, cartoons, it's about twelve a page. Okay. But then we can it kind of You're flexes. A full and, page of. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, and sometimes we'll get three pages. Sometimes we'll get two pages. Sometimes we get one page. Like it varies from magazine wow. to magazine and from issue to issue. Yeah, like in my mind, um, I was thinking like three panel strip, but this is this is a whole different beast. We've done single panel gags as well, which are which are really fun, and I also have done a lot of three panel gags. I, I do the Aurora Man, the Adventures of Aurora Man. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, okay. Yes. And uh, Jeff Burton's um, signature character. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to work on. It's a fun little little wheelhouse to play in, and I and for me, it, it was a nice thing to put on the resume for. Because I would like to ultimately end up working in syndication somewhere doing a strip like that. Like, um, that's always been my goal as a kid, you know, was to, to get into newspaper strips. And it's very hard to do. Yeah. But I find, you know, you just sort of, you build that body of work. You build that relationship with editors and with publishers. And word of mouth sort of spreads. That's kind of how we've landed a lot of our work is just because we we show up. We do a good job. We don't, you know, not communicate. Like, the worst thing you can do with a publishing partner is not communicate with them right like nobody nobody likes to have dead air when when uh they're expecting a project to be done you've got you've been given a deadline for a page to be in and you just don't respond to the email like the, the email's not going away the editor's not getting any less pissed at you because you haven't responded yeah, yeah. so you know how, how many magazines or how many different uh project tabs do you have open in a given week <laughs> that sounds like you've question. got a lot going on yeah we do we're well in the five magazines so they're on a variety of different publishing schedules so uh remind magazine is monthly so that one i have a strip every month to do uh cartoons is bi-monthly so i have one every two months um and usually carson gets me the scripts for that one fairly early so i have more time to muddle with him because i like to i like the thing i've noticed with gags is all of the all the laughter is in the facial expressions. It's in how you sell the action, how you make the characters act. It's not necessarily about the event that's happening. It's usually about the reaction to the event that's happening. So I like to mess with that a lot. I, I'll take out a sketchbook and I'll I'll mess around with facial expressions all day until I find that one eyebrow line that just works or the eye that just kind of makes it work. Or maybe it's a mouth, you know, that oh that 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 shocked look, that kind of like goofy look. Um, and so so I, I like to do that with that, that strip a lot. And these are characters that we've created for the magazine. So we kind of have carte blanche to just sort of go crazy and have fun with it. Um, Scary Monsters Magazine is a quarterly magazine. So it's every four months there's another book. And then we do some work for the Bronze Age, which is another quarterly, but it prints on the opposite schedule from Scary Monsters Magazine. <laughs> so. No so it's almost like having a, a bi-monthly magazine in there. And then Cafe Racer is another magazine that's on a monthly schedule as well. And you're and then, a uh, Carson, different strip to each of these? 
Yeah, different strip, different art style, uh, different feel. Yeah, you are crazy. That's that's madness. Yeah, it's it is madness, but it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Cafe Racer I really enjoy working on because it's it's a, a motorcycle culture magazine, and they let me draw in almost a mad magazine style. I'd read about towns besieged by vampires and men transformed into hideous beasts by the waxing of the full moon. How inspiring. What would you say your big influences are, um, comic strip-wise? Definitely, guy, like, if it's comic books, I'd say guys like uh, Jack Kirby, Eric Larson, like the action, action oh, over, yeah. you know, <laughs> over foreshadowing, Thank things you. like that. Yeah. Um, I loved, like, John Byrne. I loved his stuff. Art Thurber. Like, there's a variety of artists that I, that I love to work on. Mike McNola. Um, probably not saying his last name right, but, uh, like, his work is brilliant. Um. See, what's interesting then is it, that up till Mignola, mm-hmm. all of those characters, what they have in common is super expressive main characters. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, but Mike knows how to frame a shot. Like, he knows how oh, to yeah. put... They're all stoic, like, deadpan-looking <laughs> yeah. people, right? Yeah, he can, yeah. Frame, he can frame anything. <laughs> it's he can frame a monkey, like, throwing an apple, and it would look impressive. And he has. Impressive. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot of great monkey drawings. Yeah. Uh, first so, row monkeys. Yeah. And then, uh, otherwise, uh, I think I, I fell into really the humor gag, guys, uh, early in life. I loved... Uh, like horrible Hagar, um, Peanuts. Um, I, I really enjoyed um, the Beetle Bailey strips for some reason when I was a kid. I thought those were great. I love Beetle Bailey. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, and then fast. I found Mad Magazine and it was over. Like Sergio Aragonese, Stan Sake, like um, that. That's where my real education began. <laughs> I'll confess that young Gregory didn't quite get Beetle Bailey. But my mom laughed, laughed at everyone, so I tried to laugh at it. And then I would could not get enough of the Far Side. Yeah, or Calvin Far Hobbs, Side. Obviously. Oh, Gary Larson's a genius. But, but Gary, yeah. Lar- yeah, and those were the ones my mom would be like, I don't know if I get it, you know. And I'd be like, Well, you're Beetle Bailey kind of. Thing. <laughs> See, and I grew yeah. up during the like the Scholastic Book Fair. Craves. Okay. And so I would always get the Far Side in like the omnibus, like the Far Side mm-hmm. Gallery one the far side gallery four like it was collected 200 pages of far side comics and so that's where i got my far side and calvin and Hobbes was all collected in like big volumes rather than piecemealed throughout newspapers yeah i actually when i was a kid i used to cut out the strips and i would i would paste them into little sketchbooks because we didn't have the scholastic books right like pre you know Back in the Stone Ages, before the internet and stuff, we had to we had to suffer for our, you know. Yeah, Justin's just a whippersnapper. But you and I seem of similar vintage. <laughs> I, I, uh, I feel yeah. your pain. Um, I had all a whole bunch of the Calvin Sunday strips uh, pasted into a sketchbook because that was the only it's way. Sunday, to... like the yeah, that was the big color yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least in Winnipeg, it was. Um, and it was interesting. Well, maybe you can speak to this. What is, as, as, a, as an adult and as a person making books now, mm-hmm. when I think of like an audience and how they consume a large amount of media, uh, and there's not very much upon which they can rely. The newspaper comic strip comes from an mm-hmm. era when there was always that thing you knew you'd like in a paper full right. of news, right? There's yeah. at least one thing you know you'll like so you can find it. What's your relationship with uh, you know, this large readership that is finding your work, but maybe not finding you. And it, 
what is that like for you? It's amazing. Um, the people that do track you down, um, which <laughs> can be, you know, good and bad, uh, <laughs> but um, it's been pretty interesting so far. I mean, we have, um, because of the variety of things that, that I work on, um, the readership I deal with ranges from nine to 90, right? Like I do a lot of, a lot of stuff that, for example, in, in, in the, at the Calgary show that, and I, I'm going back to it because that was a show we just, you know, first show I had in like two years. Um, I had a little guy come to my table and he must've been, I'd say like eight or nine. And he picked up a copy of Cartoons Magazine and he started giggling. And so his dad looked at me and he looked down at the table and he just grabbed, he grabbed one of each copy, bought all of them and he took off. And he came back the next day. He was wondering if I had more. And I'm like, I wish I did. You took all, you had all the, all the current issues that I had on my table. You got them all. But I gave him a little, you know, subscription card. I said, give this to your dad, tell him to sign you up and it'll just come right to your doorstep. So, and then he looked at me like, you're lying to me, man. There's no way my magazine's just going to come to my door. And I'm like, seriously, get your dad to fill this out. This way it used to work. And it'll just show up. The mail brings more than just bills. Right. Yeah, yeah, you'll be, you'll get, you'll get something in the mail addressed to you. <laughs> um, so, what's your comic convention um, experience like? Like, do you have uh, stock of everything that you you bring out? Do you go there as just a guest? Do you go there just to uh, talk with industry? Like, what, what's, what's a comic con like for you? It's kind of a mix. I'm usually there as a guest, mm -hmm. uh, and I try to bring as much of everything. <laughs> I used, it was easier, you know, years ago to just bring everything I was in because I wasn't in as much stuff. But now I'm in so many different things. It's hard to stock everything. Like, I don't even think I own everything I've ever done. And, <laughs> you know, I'm the guy who did it. Right. So, but I, I do usually have a good variety of things. Like typically I, I, uh, I try to keep stock um, coming in because I get, you know, you get sent comp copies of things. And so, I put that onto a box and put it aside. I keep one for myself and then I, I, I want to take stuff with me to shows. And uh, I don't have everything usually, but I'll have a good selection of things with me when I go. And I'll do some commissions while I'm at shows and things like that. But I do do a lot of like um, just networking with people. I mean, there's always editors at shows. There's always people that are in, that are not on the front of the books that are important to getting the work. Mm -hmm. So I do, I always look to see who's coming and I prepare a portfolio that I will hand out and business cards. And so I, I kind of, I can, it's kind of a combination of business and I'm also meeting with fans and having a good time with them and, you know, doing commissions and seeing people I haven't seen in a while, like a lot of the artists and stuff. We're all, you know, and it's like, it's a small community. Everybody sort of knows everybody. And, um, but uh, Calgary was, um, I think it was just kind of nice to have a show again you know like i was nervous being there because of all of the stuff that's going on but we just took precautions i didn't shake hands i didn't you know i had my mask on the whole time they everybody had their masks on we isogelled like maniacs and just hoped for the best right so um but everybody made it out there fine uh, as far as i know so more or less there's been some <laughs> yeah. there's been a little bit of fallout from that show that we've been tracking here in uh Oh no! Sunny Manitoba. I was but, blissfully unaware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right. You know, we I guess pays our money, takes our chances. It'll be a while before we on the podcast we have uh, at Justin's urging simply been calling it the event. 
And so we hope that it's a past tense event, but we'll, it seems uh, it may rear its ugly head again a few times before it's done. Um, yeah. How do you work? Tell me a typical work day. What are your sure. tools yeah. of the trade? What are your go-to processes? Sure. Um, so it depends on what I'm working on. Um, for uh, Cartoons Magazine, for example, um, I like I have people that want to buy the original pages. So I'm doing a lot of those on actual paper. And so I'm drawing on really large, I mean, they're, you know, twice up sheets um, that you would see like Eric Larson's doing right now for Savage Dragon. And they're made, they'll shrink down to a proper eight and a half by 11 size for, for the magazine. And uh, so I'm lettering right on the boards and I'm, I'm using India ink and I'm using you know, the uh, rubber cement and exactos and wow. getting my fingers dirty and going, going to crazy. Um, used to using a brush for so most of my a, inking. A brush. Okay. I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, and you're doing it twice up. Mm -hmm. Now, is that because the, the uh, collectors of the original pages appreciate that size or because for reproduction, you find you can put in more details. Reproduction. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm old. I don't want to be looking at a teeny tiny page. I want it to be big. So, <laughs> so I do do, I do do uh, cartoon stuff. Usually it's, it's, a, sometimes it's a mix. If I've fallen behind on other deadlines and I really have to push it, then it's fully digital because I, you know, you just don't have time. Um, you can't wait for things to dry. You can't wait to erase things. You can't wait to scan things, clean things up and all of that stuff. Um, but most times, uh, I can do my cartoon strips on paper. So it's kind of a nice feeling. And I like that I have them lettered so you can actually read them. So yeah, people so. seem to really like the idea. Yeah, of being able to actually read the text on the page. So yeah. It's part werewolf and vampire, demon and ghost. It will tear your throat open, then drink your blood and feast on your still warm brains. That's sick. It's terrifying, but it's going to make a terrific comic book. So is there, there much happening like digital painting wise or it's it's mostly traditional and then just kind of scanned in? Uh, all of the stuff I do for Remind, Scary Monsters and Cafe Racer is all digital. Okay. And it's in and, or? Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a Wycom, a uh, 24 inch Wycom. There you go. Yeah, and I'm using Clip Studios mm -hmm. because I, I, I'm done paying $50 a month to uh, Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. So. I just I, I realized that I had purchased Clip Studios, oh, and <laughs> and I had gotten it was it was on sale I think at some point in the past and I bought it because it was so ridiculously low, mm -hmm. and then I think Adobe raised their ongoing monthly rate. I just got my rage, email notification of my bill for Adobe, so yeah, I'm I'm leaning more and more. Yeah, yeah. Clip Studios. <laughs> so <laughs> the problem is I abandoned Photoshop. We, yeah, use a lot of InDesign, Illustrator, Photoshop, and mm -hmm. like a little bit of Premiere. Like there's, yeah. Too yeah, many. I was using all of those tools. Yeah. Um, but I found I was using some of them less and less because I didn't need to do some of the work in there. Like right there. I'm not, I'm not messing with kerning and stuff in my fonts. I'm not playing it. Like it became more of a, why am I paying this much money a month for my Adobe products? So I loaded up clip studios i updated it i started messing around and i find it just it's designed to do 
manga and comics. That's so what I I've find heard it from just many seamlessly works. Yeah, you just really yeah. like it. And I've I've found a lot of really good brushes that I like, and I I can save my templates how I want them. So when I'm working on a remind strip, I have my template. When I'm working on a scary monster strip, I have that template because they're all different sizes and different DPI requirements. Because one is black and white, one is color, and so I can mess with all of that stuff without too much hassle, which is really really good. And it saves all my presets, which I really like. Um, and I have it. I mean, this was working for me, so that's that's where I where I kind of went. And I'm not paying fifty dollars a month anymore because that was getting a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah, morning? no, I like it. Do you work Sorry? mornings, evenings, all day, every day, some days, no days? So I have a day job. So and that's just because I want a pension so I can retire at some point. How are you doing all and, this uh, day job? Holy crap! <laughs> yeah. I know, <laughs> sleeps for the week. And <laughs> so uh, I usually work in the evening. So I come home, I'll have supper with the family, hang out with them. I might do some sketching while I'm, you know, we're watching TV or whatever before people start going to bed. My wife is a teacher, so she's usually in bed fairly early. My kids are at an age that they don't need me to supervise. My son is 23. My daughter is going to be 13 right away. So like they don't want to hang out with me anyway, right? So <laughs> they go off to do their own thing. And uh, when everybody sort of splits to do their thing, I end up in the studio. And then I work until I feel like I'm not being productive anymore. Like, you know, you're, you know, your limit physically, you go, yeah. well, am I really doing good work right now? No time to shut it down, go to bed, get up do the day job, come back at it. Uh, and then I, on my weekends, my Saturday, I put in a full studio day. So I get up at eight o'clock, just like I would on a normal working day. I put in regular eight hour day. I take a lunch break. I take coffee breaks. If I feel like I'm, my brain is wandering. I, I stop, I stretch, I, I don't have a chair at my at my my Wycom anymore so I stand while I work oh, wow. and I'm finding that I get a lot more energy that way and I'm more sure. mobile and yeah. you know and and uh, a little less sedentary which is you know important right if you want to be able yeah. to do things for longevity and uh, so I've been doing that for about uh, 11 years and it works for me uh, if I'm too tired I don't do it you know like if I, I don't force it and if I have a deadline coming up what I usually do is when I'm feeling really energetic or really creative, I go hard and, and I will do as much work as I possibly can, you know, while, while I'm feeling those, those, those creative juices going. And, and I know I'm doing that because I know that at some point I'm going to have a day where I just don't want to turn on the Wicom. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you just want a day where you can just decompress. And so uh, it's important to kind of keep that, that um, sort of self-registry going and to know, I, can't, I don't want to burn out um, and, and I don't want to miss deadlines. So you just, you have to sort of become aware of how much you can get done in how many hours. So I know I can get a page done um, black and white, probably four to six hours. So I know I need at least four to six hours to, to knock out, you know, if it's a cartoon strip and I have three pages, I know how many hours I need to knock that one strip out. And then I leave myself time at the end where I just let that strip sit for a day or so. And then I go back and look for mistakes and look for corrections and try to add some more ink washes or whatever. And then, then it's scanned and I send it off to the editors to have their first look at it and then make any adjustments afterwards. What to you feels like a mistake? What is that, what is that moment where you look at it and you go, oh, okay, got to fix it? If the joke doesn't work, you know? If I, if I look at it and I show it to a couple people and nobody smiles, like if nobody even cracks a smile, it's not working. 
So that's when you got to say, okay, I need to redraw this panel. Yeah. Usually your wife that sees it first or your kids or kids, kids don't have a filter. Kids will tell you something sucks. Yes. So like, absolutely. Like they, they don't, they don't care to hurt your feelings. I mean, they'll, they'll take your claw and rip your heart out and tell you that, that was brutal. Um, and that's, that's kind of the joy I had working on the Ignite caveman graphic novel with my daughter was she was my writing buddy. So I sat there, you know, we sat at campfire with a sketchbook and we would just start jotting ideas down and sketching out things. And if she giggled, that gag made it into the book because I'm like, <laughs> if the kid laughs, it's, it's in. And so that, that's how I sort of guided that, that process. And that's how I kind of guide all of the gag strips. If a kid, if a kid chuckles at it, or if somebody opens, like, for example, the, you might be from Saskatchewan if book, the, I never had to have a sales pitch for the book. I would just leave it out there on the table and people would pick it up and they would flip through it and they would start laughing. And as soon as people start laughing, you know, they want the book. Like it made them laugh. It did, it did the thing you're trying to do. And to me, that's the big success, right? You make somebody smile, you make somebody chuckle, you make somebody laugh. You've done your thing. That's what you need to do. Um, and it's harder and harder to do nowadays. I know, was going to ask the, the, your relationship with humor as the world yeah. becomes a darker and more dystopian wasteland, I think your work becomes so much more important, but must be harder to do. I think so. Not, not really. I think my brain works in, because of working with Carson, I don't see things in the same way everybody else does. Like, and I know it sounds so weird to say that, but like, I find the humor in the really weird stuff sometimes. Like I did a drawing of um, uh, uh, a guy walking down the street and there's a COVID you know, virus hiding out in the alleyway, waiting to jump him. <laughs> you know, and he's like, "Here's looking forward to it." And yeah, so and that that's a morbid strip, but it's funny. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I think I drew that one um, after the first round of uh, lockdowns because we were just we were planning, we were getting ready to go do a convention. And I just ordered, I just ordered Ignidia Caveman Graphic Novels. I ordered a whole stack of them to have at the show. And while they were en route, we went into our first lockdown and the shows got canceled. Like all the shows got canceled. And yes, I went, so well, I'm bad. so glad I just spent all that money on a... Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people... Yeah, we were that, right yeah. there. I canceled 32 appearances or something, yeah. right? And yeah. One after the other. Um, but well, we won't dwell on the past. Let's instead go forward. It's five years from now. Yes. You've been putting in all these evenings, every Saturday, all this time. What is it you want most out of this cartooning life? You know, you wouldn't carve this time away if not. For some I ambition. think the only thing I want is to see kids that grew up reading my stuff passing it on to somebody else oh wow yeah what a great ambition because it's pretty it's pretty cool to see i get a little bit of that nowadays um with especially with the cartoons magazine it's got such a huge nostalgia like the people that grew up reading it before it went away the first time and now that it's back the the first thing you usually hear is cartoons is back and then i go yes it is and i'm literally a cartoonist i work for them and they you know they'll turn to their kid who's an adult and be like i used to read this when i was a kid you should buy these and then the you know their son or daughter ends up buying a bunch of cartoons magazines that i'm sure they didn't want to read and they're taking them home because their dad said they should buy them 
And uh, I think I just think that's kind of cool to see um, something uh, kind of catching somebody's nostalgia vibe, you know, like looking back. I mean, for example, I mean, looking at all the toys behind me, these are all things that came out 40 years ago and now they're all back again. Right. There's if you go to a Walmart now, you see Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And yeah, I see a big Jawa tank. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah, that's, uh, that's the original. That. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is. So um, I mean, it's just it's something great about it. About knowing that the work is something that someone connected to enough that they want to share it with someone they love. Yeah. And you know, understand me a little bit better. So what's next? I mean, what about the others? It looks like the ball's in your court. Or in your case, the pen's in your hand. What about that thing? When I handed my Calvin and Hobbes collections down to my uh, now oldest son, I just wanted him to like them because I liked them so much at his right. age. And then we'd know each other a little more. I uh, did the and- same thing with my daughter. She's a super, super interested in Japan and in manga. And I have all of the Usagi Yojimbo collections. And I was like, you must read these. And she just won't do it. Like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I know you will love this. <laughs> it's it's animals, it's manga, it's Japan. Come on. <laughs> you know what? I, I can tell you that in our house, one of the ways that um, we, I don't know if this is maybe a, a horrible manipulation or an excellent one. <laughs> one of the things that we always turned a blind eye to with our kids' bedtimes is as long as they were reading, they didn't have to necessarily mm-hmm. go to bed when we said. And if they had read everything that they had chosen, the only things left were the things I suggested might be of interest. And then they would come down in the morning and be like, Dad, this is actually pretty good. Do you have more? Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. just, uh, you just have to figure out a way to uh, slide it in so it seems like their idea. I'll have, to, I'll have to try that. I'll have to try that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I know I've, I've, I've experienced a little bit of that too with the Saskatchewan books because people have been, we get a lot of uh, fan mail and stuff and a lot of messages on social media from people that have bought the book and sent it somewhere else in the world. And then that person writes back to say how much they enjoyed it and it made them feel homesick for home, which is kind of what the book is there for anyway that's what it's about right yeah and it's still seeing it on store shelves after this long is just wild to me yeah that's Um, amazing that's huge congratulations it must be though a little bit bittersweet when you look at the artwork 10 years later oh 100 (laughs) you know if i if i had known that was going to be like the thing that stuck around for as long as it was going to stick around but then we only had i think four months to do 148 strips and Carson was writing them. He was sending them to me in email batches. So I was literally drawing and inking strips as he was sending me another list of 10, another list of 20, that sort of thing. I've never worked that crazy a pace ever. And I hope I never have to again. It was <laughs> insane. Well, now that uh, it, you see the corollary of it, right? Mm-hmm that suffrage meant it reached a large number of people 
Right. It did, yeah. yeah. Do you wonder if you should suffer more for the next one then? We, we have uh, three books coming out. Oh, you're uh, suffering enough. Yeah. You're yeah. suffering enough. Yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so what's coming down the pipeline for you? Well, we have a book coming out called, Hey, Buddy, Do You Want to Buy an Eyeball? And it's it's more of a graphic design gig for me than it was, uh, you know, like anything else. And it's about all the weird stuff you used to be able to mail order for mail order catalogs. Oh, I love it. Um, and that'll be out. I novel called The Eye Collector. We should figure out a way in Saskatchewan <laughs> oh, to yeah. a group launch, right? We should figure out some we should way do it. to do those. It's got an eye in it. Together, right? Because ours yeah. is like super dark, really horrific horror book. <laughs> side by side with the humor one. I think that would be fantastic. It could work. It could work. In my next book, all the bad guys only have one eye. They're all cyclopses. So, I mean, we could have a whole eye theme. <laughs> fantastic. I know a guy that used to make a living uh, fighting cyclopses. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. the old Jason New York City guy. The old Jason, yeah. <laughs> Jason, tell me a little as we as we round out the hour here. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about what it feels like to be a guy who quit drawing all those years ago and right. now is drawing nonstop. Yeah, it sounds like it's taken over. It feels amazing. Like it, it's something I wish I would have done earlier, you know? Um, I, yeah, I really do. I wish I would have done it like five years earlier just because I'd be younger and have more energy to put more into it. Uh, I mean, not that I'm tired and old and can't, you know, can't function. It's just, I, I, I look at, I have, you know, I have some ideas coming up that I've got written out that I, because I also write stuff. I don't just draw. Um, and so I have like a whole graphic novel already written, thumbnailed, ready to go. That's just sitting kind of on the shelf waiting for me to have time to get to it. And if I had started five years earlier, that story would probably be already done and be out. So yeah, do there's just time. things like that. I just, yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just wish I would have listened to my instincts a little more earlier, you know, um, so but I definitely don't regret it. I, I don't, I don't regret your, it. Sorry to talk over you there. I noticed on your no social media, a picture of like, it seemed like a dozen sheets of paper. I think they looked like comic boards all together on a wall. And the only like caption was like, you know, this is either a good idea or a bad idea. I'm not sure yet, kind of. Um, what is that? So, Tell me what's going on. So with Jason in New York City, because it's my own thing, um, I've gotten into this, this desire to push myself as an artist to try really stupid ideas. And so <laughs> the issue that I'm currently working on uh, is issue four for the, the new series. And in that issue, Jason is chasing after a minotaur in the New York City subway system. And so my brain said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could somehow visually turn your pages into a maze? I don't know if it's going to be successful or a giant flop, but I dove in with both feet. I taped 16 pages to my wall. And I did the rough breakdowns, and now I'm actually doing the pencils on it and some of the uh, inking and stuff. So they all interlock as one giant image that then will be reassembled to be split up. Yeah, to be in the book. 
It's a good way to get so, destroy books. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, then they got to buy more copies, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, it's either going to be a horrible disaster or it's going to be brilliant. And a Winnipeg, I'm not sure creator, a Winnipeg creator here, Scott A. Ford, made a book called Giant's Well, which is this huge, it's a single. I've heard about this. Yeah, it's a yeah. single illustration. That's like how many pages? 40 pages? 40 pages. Or no, is it 40 feet when it's all? Yeah, it's like 40 or 50 feet in the book. And they're all accordioned, right? And you fall through the giant's well on the way through the story. So, um, you know, you're you're in a good space of experimentation, I think. And a giant's well. We'll well see if I can pull it off. (laughs) Yeah, I look forward to seeing that. Um, you should see what I've got planned for the the big, big, big issue at the end. I'm planning to do one gigantic long pan shot throughout the entire issue, where the entire story takes place within that giant pan shot. On one oh. pan, oh, that's good. Mobius kind of tackled that landscape a little bit once in a while, but never a whole issue. It'd be like three or four pages in a row. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's still in the early planning stages. We'll see how it goes um like my brain sometimes comes up with stuff and then i have to push to try to do it so yeah which is always fun but with i'm finding with the jason new york city stuff it the the freedom to just not have to do things the way anybody else wants it is sort of nice you know like i'm not working with another writer i don't have an editor it's just me just goofing around and having a good time at it and uh I'm liking what I'm seeing so far, so hopefully people will dig it when it's all done and ready for release. So, But I'm planning on doing um, all 12 issues together first before I release the first one because I know my schedule is just too crazy. I can't launch a monthly comic book while I'm also doing five magazines and random yeah. books here and there. So, And a um, I, full-time job and being a dad and being a husband. And, yeah, yes. and being married. Yeah, yeah. so you got to juggle things somehow. Yeah, for sure. Jay, I'm sad it took us this long to connect in a real way uh, because I found this conversation to be very enlightening. And really, honestly, I had no idea that so much of this like syndication world was happening here in Canada and that uh, I miss the people involved without (laughs) even realizing it. Yeah. It's amazing how much work is out there that people aren't aware is out there. Um, Like Carson and I didn't intend to end up in magazine work. It's just that's where the work is, right? We just sort of fell into it. And then we just keep, we're just too stupid to stop, right? Like we just keep plodding forward. And then he keeps pitching things and people keep accepting us. And we just, we don't know when to stop. It's really a sickness. (laughs) It's really bad. (laughs) Well, Jason, I hope you never stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I'm Gregory Kamichuk, encouraging you all to join the fight and make comics. Mm-hmm.